0: You're listening to the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. I'm Michelle Donkin, And I'm Andrew Allen. Thanks for downloading, listening or just hearing this episode in the background or wherever you happen (laughs) to be occupying space. Um, (laughs) And uh, talk about occupying space. If you could rate us, subscribe to us and indeed share the episodes on whatever social platform you currently occupy. That would be greatly appreciated by us. Yeah. So this is episode six of season three of our podcast. So it's the last episode of this season. Yeah, we've had a great old, not that the previous um, seasons have not also been sublime (laughs) and lovely, but it's been a genuinely lovely uh, series of chats Mm. with uh, artists and creatives working in Brighton. Mm. And this one's no exception. Yeah, who are we chatting to this week? This week we're talking to Miles Malambo, actor, writer extraordinaire and many other talents to his bow, um, I don't know if he has a bow but, um, <laughs> I, just, I like the mixed metaphor there I love yeah. the mixed metaphor, that's great and we probably talk about metaphors in this conversation, Possibly. we certainly talk about writing and creating um, Miles is touring a show at the moment Dancing in the Moonlight and we chat about that mm-hmm. and it was just a genuinely lovely um, chance to catch up with Miles yeah and after this episode we'll be off your airways taking I a suppose. short break there you go um, while we uh, get your next podcast series ready, which will be Cast Iron Shorts. So what's that? That's going to be a selection of short stories in a podcast. So <laughs> fiction in a podcast. Yes. Neatly packaged like a small nut. <laughs> or a pea. Or a pea. <laughs> like a pod. Or a... Single contact lens cover for the left eye only Ah So yes, it's short fiction in a podcast, 10 minutes or less of delightful stories to mystify, to amplify and to terrify. Mm. I've, made a, I've made a promise now, haven't I?: You have. yeah. so that's going to be coming at you in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, while you're listening to Cast Iron Shorts, we'll be off recording season four of the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Don't panic if you miss it. Uh, There's an easy way to fix that. Um, Yeah, subscribe Subscribe. to the Cast Iron Theatre podcast. Yeah, just subscribe. It's easy. Yeah, it saves all of this arranging of diaries. You know, just subscribe. You can even do it (laughs) at the same time as listening to an episode of the podcast. In fact, let's try this. Yeah. Start listening now. And while you're listening subscribe <laughs> hello who are you and what do you do hello
1: uh, my name is Miles Malambo and I am an actor and um, a, well a theatre maker I guess now um, wrote wrote, my, wrote and produced my first play last year it was a one man play about Phil Lynott. and um, so that's been very exciting. And I'm currently working on taking that on tour. So let's take that bit by
0: bit. Uh, the, the thing that's come up um, in a couple of the episodes this season, when somebody's announced what they are. Okay. There <laughs> has been, for some people, there's been occasional, not not an imposter syndrome or embarrassment about announcing it, but that certainly there's been... a a pebble in the road of them going and I am an actor and I imagine it's not the sort of thing that necessarily comes up in conversation every day that you go hello I, I'm Miles I'm an actor uh, you may remember me from such films <laughs> as <laughs> but does that feel weird to announce that or are you quite clear eyed about that you know that's my product that's what I do um
1: yeah yeah no, I, I think in more recent years it's become I've become more clear about it I, ser- I, think, I think I've spent most of my life feeling a bit more like tentative about announcing myself as that Um, because I'm an actor but I'm not you know I spend more time not acting or working on a project than than doing it Um, but yeah in in, in more recent years I think I've just had the confidence to go well that's the main thing that I do and it's what I love and what I'm passionate about and what defines me more than any of the other things that I do so so yeah, it's. I'm, I, I'm comfortable in saying I'm an actor.
0: And you've been acting for fifteen years.
1: Twelve um, years. No, uh, God, more. More. Um, hang on, about twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. So yeah. Yeah,
0: it is the thing that you do. It is your career. Um, but quite appropriately, because of the way that the business works, uh, you sort of have that line about uh, you might spend more actual units of time not acting than acting mm-hmm. uh, you know you're, you're asleep um, but <laughs> because I you said just earlier that you are also a theatre maker, make it you make your your own work as well uh, in terms of working within theatre but for you personally how is the process of facilitating The acting part of your career, whether it be sort of working in other jobs that aren't acting-related, how easy or not do you find that?
1: Um, It's uh, quite tough. It's challenging. Yeah. um, Because it's it's my my kind of life goal, or one of my life's goals, is to make a living off of acting. Yeah. um, Or I suppose now more off of theatre making, but off of off of being creative. and it's tough because lots of people want to do it, and there's not a massive amount of money no. <laughs> in the industry. And there's, a, you know, I think, I remember when I was at drama school, um, in the th- when we were in third year, we had like a week of professional practice seminars. We had different people from the industry come in and talk to us, and they got an actor to come in who'd been, been, act- who'd been kind of, it was at least 10 years since he graduated, and he opened his talk just listing off a bunch of facts on why you shouldn't be an actor. And um, one of them was that at any one time, um, out of all of the s- spotlight registered performers, at any one time there's like never more than something like ten percent of them that are actually in paid employment. Yeah. Um, Which has been sort of the um, the cliche statistic for quite some
0: time. Um, yeah. and I as I get older, more cynical, or indeed more hopeful, I wonder. <laughs> how that statistic's been fudged in terms of, yeah, there might be a 1,000 actors on Spotlight, but some of them might be sort of officially somewhat retired now, and if you're going to say today there's only 10% of them in work, that mm. might mean that in October, that's when pantomime season starts, and a few more of them start. And also, I guess my process of thinking has changed somewhat in that... When were you studying In the 90s? In... Uh, no, in the 2000s. 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 Um, even back then, I am uh, uh, my approach to that actor coming in and giving you a chat about acting, the, the career of acting, and him coming in today to a, a, a drama school. I'm much more aware that I hope he's getting paid for that gig, hmm. uh, whereas I think back in the '90s or whatever, 2000s, they just pull in Illumi from uh, their sort of group and then chat to you. Um, but it is, a, I guess, about creating your own work and facilitating that. I guess what I'm asking with that 20 years' experience is... I'm not put any pressure on you. Um, <laughs> what would you say to people... If you were the guy going into drama school and saying, OK, this is how the career works, mm. um, and you probably wanted to avoid that stat of you know, 10% uh, only being in work, what would you say to this year's graduates...
1: Um, is it worth it I guess is the the opening salvo. it's definitely worth it um like like for me personally like I haven't achieved my goal of making a living off of it however for me it's been uh, I I love my life I've I've loved I've loved the experiences that I've had being being a creative person and being part of the theatrical world um it's really not easy and you either need or will develop a thick skin yeah. to kind of stay in it uh, because it's it's tough and so like for all of the just genuinely beautiful experiences I've had there's been equally <laughs> horrendous yeah. kind of kind of horrendous ones and, and self-doubt um, and anxiety and all this just all this stuff but it's about learning you, you, that's it you, you, you learn you just learn about the industry and learn how it works and the more you understand it um, yeah the more you understand about certain ways it operates the easier it is to to deal with the down deal with the deal with the bad times but also reduce the bad times and yeah. create better times
0: and having better self-care about that yeah,
1: yeah we yeah, were yeah, talking yeah. before we started about
0: um yeah, the approaches that you have in coming to interview um, into auditions etc mm. and not being too punished by negative results or lack of results from those sort of things and it occurs because we happen uh, you and I Miles, we happen to actually know each other before this um, podcast and I've um, seen your work before and I know that uncritically uh, I can respond to you as being a, a charismatic talented performer and I enjoy your work you. and What's interesting about that, uh, in terms of if I had money to spend as a director or whatever, you're going to be in my box of, oh, I want to speak to that actor. So with all that included, I have no money, sorry. Um, (laughs) With all that included, it's, I think, valuable in a non-negative way to to acknowledge both that and the fact that you might not always have a good month of auditions, that though you are talented and charismatic and you might Mm. be the right person for a gig, you might
1: not get that gig. Yeah, and it's got b- perversely nothing to do with you. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's. I mean, it's it's there. As I was saying before, like that there are a million and one reasons why you could not get a job. Um, and unfortunately, one of the um, one of the toughest things about auditioning is that ninety nine percent of the time, well, ninety nine percent of the jobs that you don't get, you don't get any feedback no. on. Why you did or didn't get them? Um, it's very, like a count on one hand how many times I've had yeah. feedback from a job that I didn't get um, out of hundreds of auditions that I've done. Um, but, so yeah, but it's 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 like it's, it's about learning when you get an audition to just focus on whatever as, as much with as much info as you have. Whether it's a script or you just know it's an advert for like some milkshake. Um, yeah just just focus and as long as you can walk into an audition room and do the best that you know you can possibly do then that's, that's that's how you deal with it it's like okay if I if I done the best I can do and I didn't get the job at least at least I've got that yeah it's, it's, it's worse to kind of you know, I, I imagine every single actor has had an audition that they haven't got but they know that they completely fudged it like, yeah. um, I've, I've got, had my fair share of those So
0: uh, yeah, there may be adverts for Milkshakes that you are fully prepped for and yes. adverts <laughs> for Milkshakes that you were, I mean I went to an audition recently where it was set up for a thing about um, pretending to be a musician on a train. Even though I am myself a musician, that wasn't a required aspect of the audition. It was to look like a musician. And then when we rocked up, they introduced us with the lines, "Oh yeah, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing something completely different." Um, <laughs> and that's that's fun. Um, how do you find? Um, because you're you've written um, Dancing in the Moonlight. Uh, you've written your own work, and you majority of the work you've done has been scripted work Mm. um what's your opinion on improv and making stuff up um improv i think improv is a wonderful art form i mean don't worry it's not an audition process this is not 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 an interview
1: oh yeah no 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 i know i (laughs) I genuinely love it um it's not something i actually do i remember i did it a lot at drama school and, and a bit after and really enjoyed it but then for whatever reason, just kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, but I, I love... I, I've actually been look, eyeing up getting back into it and doing some yeah. workshops, but, I mean, over the years, you know, when I'm at Fringe festivals, I always try and see at least one improv comedy show. What was your first Fringe festival that you went to, either was a punter or otherwise? My first Fringe festival... I mean, it, I want to say it was Edinburgh in 2008. Yeah. But then it might have been... I don't know if I ever engaged in the Brighton Fringe before I, before I moved up to London to study. Yeah. But yeah, when I but between my first and second year, yeah, so this, I, this was this was my proper first like fringe experience, getting fully involved. Uh, so it's between first and second year at drama school, and one of our um, teachers had a couple of shows there, yeah. and um, it just sort of opened up to any students that wanted to to come and uh, fly for his show. Yeah. So it was basically you had your accommodation covered. And his shows were at the Pleasants, so if you heard oh, for him, you got a Pleasance pass. That's beautiful. Yeah, so it was great. So um, we went up for, like, ten days. We had to get there ourselves, but there's a whole bunch of us and some people from other schools. Um, but, yeah, just in Edinburgh, in the Fringe, for ten days. That's that's a right, really good first experience. Edinburgh. Yeah, it was fantastic. Of the Fringe. Yeah, it was brilliant. So um, did
0: you get the uh, thing of, um, specifically as you, you yourself write and create, did you get that sense in of mild frustration within two days ago oh I need to bring something up here now
1: you know I didn't ah no but at that time I didn't because I was still I'd only just done one year of drama school so I was very much just like focused on acting and yeah yeah, not necessarily creating your own work oh yeah not at all Um, it was quite interesting because I remember meeting so I went to arts ed drama school and I remember meeting there were a couple of students um, who had created their own show I went to watch that. I remember this, they, they, these are alumni, yeah. so they, they'd already graduated, But I remember seeing the show. They did this, this comedy duo show, and it was great. those was loads of mad sketches. Um, I remember like having a sort of—I can't even remember what <laughs> how the conversation went—but just had a chat with them and like, oh yeah, same same drama school. Um, and watching, look, looking at two people that had created their own show at that time, to me. Felt a million miles away yeah. and I was just like wow that's incredible I, I could never do that um, <laughs> so, so yeah when, when I first went up to Edinburgh what, what I loved about it was just this big beautiful city that is just full of artists from all over the world and you you know sort of every <laughs> imagine kind of every genre of performance art is covered yeah. in the fringe and just just kind of being thrown into it and and just trying to soak it all up. It was it was exciting. What was the process? If neither was
0: one, it might have been a slow process or a just a click in the mind from going from I could never do that, i.e., creating your own work, to I'm going to do that. That happened
1: years later. So when did it start? Hang on, was it now 2020? Yeah, it's about 2000. Somewhere around 2011 or 12, um, I graduated in 2007. Yeah. Um, so it was somewhere around 2011 or 12 where I wasn't getting a lot of work. And um, it was at that point that I was like, oh, if I'm not getting work, create your own work. Ex- yeah. So it was. It was-
0: this sounds too negative a uh, phrase but it was it was forced upon you. You, you it was a response
1: to the lack of work yeah yeah. it was like I want to be doing something I'm not getting the jobs or I'm not getting enough auditions well, it, it's like you just go like why should I be waiting for other people to give me stuff give me something I'm gonna and it's the best
0: way to get agents and or audiences to see you is just to hire a space and
1: get the work on yeah 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 that's it. Um, it's just cut out the middle, yeah. <laughs> cut out the middle people, and and yeah. Um, but I so I got I got that instinct back <laughs> like in two thousand eleven and twelve, and I was like, well, I'm I was like, okay, one man show was the kind of first thing that came into my head, and and that, that also came because I want to create my own work, but I also, as much as possible, wanted to be able to I say as much as possible to the to the best of my ability pay people, yeah, pay people that I work with, so. And this, and, this, and this is still still my ethos but it's why I think start small because then there's less people to pay well yeah I mean <laughs> if you're the one not getting paid
0: you, you, you're you not necessarily going to have too many bad conversations no, with exactly. your cast yeah
1: yeah it's fine yeah. <laughs> it's a punch up for myself yeah. Um, but yeah so I picked, picked the one like solo show format but it was still I think two or three years after that before I got the idea for um for the show that I've, I've now created yeah. <laughs> it's taken me years and part of the reason for that was I knew I mean I, I, I wasn't a writer I've never really written anything um, read lot and acted lots and loved yeah. story structure and looked into all of that but I, I, I knew that if I'm going to create my own work I want it to be something I want it to be an interesting story
0: Yeah,
1: um, and I, I as an, as an artist am not Particularly interested, like I wasn't interested in, like, kind of creating some kind of play about the story of my life. Yeah, um, it, it it doesn't interest me, and I recognize that I'm also, or at least at that time, wouldn't be skilled enough to create something that'd be really good. Like, I've seen those are solo shows, um, whether they're about the performer or not. And like ones I've seen where people have written about their lives are fantastic. Um, like, like, Yvette Saunders' 10 Steps to Happiness, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> it's just like, I couldn't I couldn't see myself creating something like that and I so I was looking for a, a different story to tell. But I am guessing each one that you saw,
0: even if you might have felt a bit removed from it, going, Oh I can't do that, that's still the process of that is teaching you a thing or going, Oh I'm telling you how for your purposes, how story is constructed. Yeah. Or
1: you go, actually that's brilliant, but that's not actually what I need to do. Yeah. 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 So, so so yeah, it, 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 so at first it's like yeah you're looking at some of the shows and just going, Oh God, I can't I can't do that. But then um and and, and yeah and just almost got myself into a rut of, of just trying to find an interesting story. Um, and it was around this time that people kept telling me that I looked like Phil Lynott from Thin Lizzy. <laughs> uh,
0: I know Thin Lizzy is, is huge, but were you aware of him and that idea before? Or was it just genuinely like a new thing that had been suggested to you? Um, uh, what, the, the play? Lo- and looking
1: like Phil. Oh, um, no, so I wasn't... Well, it, yeah, it was around that time for. I think I yeah, it was when I had a moustache for a bit. <laughs> that was when I'd get strangers would come up and tell me how much I looked like him. And I and at this time I was still going. Oh God, I don't know. Should, like I wouldn't do one 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 person show. And um. And I knew Thin Lizzy like I was I was a fan of theirs when I was a teenager. But yeah. I didn't. I just listened to their music. I had no idea what they looked like sure. or anything like that. It was only when I was told that I looked like him. And oh, I thought, oh yeah. And then a friend of mine, I think it was. I, know, I thought it was during one of the Edinburgh Fringes, but it was before. Um, he said, "Oh, yeah, you should, I should do a play about him." Yeah. Um, and I think I sort of thought, "Okay, yeah, maybe, whatever," <laughs> and I left it for a bit sure. for whatever reason. But then I was like, "God, no, that's a really good idea." So I first, I like, looked into it to see if it had been done. Before, you know, if someone had done a show, or if there'd been a biopic. And there'd been nothing like no no dramatic um, telling of his his life. So I was like, "Brilliant gap yeah. in the market." <laughs> um, and then it was a case of I just started researching, just started reading biographies. Um, I don't think I've got a stack of at least ten books about Phil Lier yeah. or Finn Lizzy, um, but it, I, I I spent years doing it, not years solidly doing yeah. it. Like I just you know spend like a it month or two months. Speculating in your head. Yeah, speculating in my head, and you know I, I might be working on it, and then I get a project, and yeah, I'd be, so I would work on that project, and 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 just life as well, balancing balancing everything. As I said, I, I, I'm not a writer, so it was a kind of weird. It's a very weird process, and then it was, it was at some point in 2018 where I was just like, right, enough flip-flopping and mm. dipping in and out. Just you just got to get in there, and and I just knuckled down and yeah, and did it. Um, Which, by the by, is by the way, is.
0: 90% of the job of a writer you, you, you say you're not a writer but you, but you have written a thing and there are many writers who yeah. claim to be writers but never get around to doing the thing uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that should be acknowledged that yeah, the knuckling down is a huge part of the mm. writing how did you find you, know, you said that you know in the first instance at least it wasn't a constant thing it would have been back in your head but it wasn't a constant thing mm. how for you if we do take that line, uh, acknowledgement that you don't, didn't at the time consider yourself to be a writer, how do you find the day-to-day process of writing? How did you write? Was there, was there, for instance, was there Thin Lizzie playing in the background, etc.?
1: Um, no, no, I, 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 yeah, there wasn't. I didn't. I can't write with music. I did. Yeah. I did. I did to try <laughs> to write with music, but yeah. it's like you, you kind of need. You end up listening to the music. Yeah, and of listening to the music and not and not focusing. Um, it was it was really odd. So it, it was probably about two years where I was just reading. And then I kind of started, like... And the whole time I'm reading, like, scribbling in the books, like, circling stuff, oh, yeah. and, you know, just notes everywhere. And I had, like, a notebook where I'd, like, scribble... I might like, scribble bits of ideas. So I had, like... what <laughs> I had, What at first, what I... Because there were, like, scribblings that I'd just do every now and then. I thought there was a lot more material <laughs> than there was. Um, and then I, like typed it out and it was like, oh, this is a this is a page of A4 paper. <laughs> Shh, I've got a lot of work to do. And and it I think what what really helped me focus actually on on knuckling down was, was me going, yeah okay I'm gonna knuckle down and get this done. And then it was in February when I actually booked the venue yeah. and signed the contract and sent the first sent the first uh, cash instalment and it all, all of a sudden doing that turns it from like a kind of this nice idea passion project to something that you have to do yes so so yeah for for, for me it was it was that it was putting myself in a situation where i, I, I that was the only way <laughs> only way out was to do it and then when when you did it it was a sell out so in Edinburgh and, um, a lot of the shows sold out. I, I don't think you can call it a sellout. It, I sold 85% of all my tickets, which is... Do you know what? If, is, I, if I'm, if I'm producing, I'm going to call that a, a sellout. <laughs> um,
0: speaking of um, strangers um, approaching the streets, telling you you look like
1: Phil, that, that happened quite specifically in Edinburgh. Am I remembering that rightly? Um, it, as in sort the last of? time I was there? Yeah. Um, yeah, d- yeah, there were people there were a couple of people that yeah. said that and then you're like, well, this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that made are easy flyers to, easy flyers to push. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that happened a few years. I mean, it, it, even like a lot of this year it would happen even in Brighton because I had, I've had of the start. I mean, I don't have a mustache at the moment. No, but yeah. I've had a had a full line mustache for most of the year. So I yeah. i to get it and it was a great, a great conversation starter and no, right to sell that's... it. But then, but then there, there was a, an interesting story that did happen was in Edinburgh. Um, it wasn't where I got mistaken for him or told I looked like him, but we, so we did our run and we finished, we did the, basically we did the final run in the venue in PQA yeah. venues. And me and um, and my director Chris and my mate Finn were walking over to I think Pleasance or somewhere. walking along the street at night and uh, Stuart Lee was walking past us in <laughs> yeah. the other direction. And I didn't notice him. Finn noticed him and started chatting to him. Um, and then he's, and he said, I oh, yeah, kind of like Phil Lynott." And I was like, oh yeah, I'm just doing a play about him. And then he told this story about a few years ago when he was on tour in Ireland and one of his roadies was Phil Lynott's son. Yeah. Um, and that's that whole story. <laughs> so Phil Lynette, like you know, his first son he never met. And that's, that's the kind of dramatic crux of my play yeah. <laughs> is, is, the, is the birth of... It's the play explores when it when it happened, and he found out that his girlfriend was pregnant, and he tried to get her to run away to Manchester with him yeah. where his mum lived. But she said no. She told her parents, and she just got taken away. Yeah. And he never met that child. Um, and that yeah, that's that's the dramatic, yeah, the dra- dramatic yeah. crux of the play. And Stuart is like, oh yeah, 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 I know him. I, he was already radio on the tour. Amazing. I like yeah. it? Uh, again, it reminds me
0: because I mean, obviously. Um, Phil Moustache that's a a pretty good look whereas Stuart Lee's ex-comedy partner uh, used to do a a play called uh, Hitler Moustache where he'd spend uh, several months of the year with a Hitler Um, Moustache I think the line from his show is that it was a fashionable moustache for many years until Hitler took it and then he spoiled it for everyone which to quote Richard Herring is possibly the worst thing he's ever done
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god I remember I remember seeing him on television. actually and trying to, trying to reclaim it Um,
0: what I guess this question is either what was your first acting gig or what was your first paid acting gig and I guess it's whichever version of that question you want to answer but mm. yeah what was your first acting
1: experience or your acting job um, as in outside of training yeah uh, my first one was my very first one it was um, doing I think i graduated for about a month and it was doing um, some for, for air quotes reenactments basically yeah. of crimes for the Police Bravery Awards <laughs> um, so yeah it was yeah, it was hilarious. It's just it's just like um so the, the police in the UK yeah, yeah. It's police bravery awards and yeah. police have like done brave things, yes. get honoured. Yeah. Um and we would we were filming <laughs> like reenactments of these like yeah. without sound just to kind of go up on the screen. Yes. So yeah, I played one of them I played a criminal with a gun and yeah. was running, running... It was actually it was shot in Pinewood. Yeah. <laughs> like, not inside the studios, like, no, no. Sort of outside, but, yeah. but kind of on the site. Um, not on the James Bond stage. but No, not on the James yeah. Bond stage. I didn't get to go in anywhere, sadly. But yeah, running around Pinewood. And I was I, playing a, a character who had like, shot a police officer yeah. and, and run away. Um, and another one where I was a, I'd been a victim in a car accident. Um, yeah, it was my first... The first of job, up, yeah. you know, the roller coaster of experiences,
0: <laughs> and yet speaking of people sort of coming up to you and um, telling you, you look like Phil and stuff. Quite recently, I mean, it's now an old photo because it'd been in the Irish Sun last year. Mm. Uh, but even like this this month, a photo of you was shared, um, and you, you had to be on Twitter. Um, kindly saying oh that's not actually Phil that's me but I was in a play yeah. Uh,
1: about... so yeah. T- tell me about that and that photo so there's this, this photo um, it was taken when it, but it was taken when I was in Edinburgh yeah. um, doing the play and a journalist from the Edinburgh Reporter like no cool online publication came to review it and he really liked it and asked to do an interview with me. So I was yeah. like, hey, first interview. Um, so I went and did an interview and he did, and he did some shots and there was this one that, that picture was an accident as well. It was, it was me like just pulling my hair down to kind of mimic Phil's hair. Yeah. So like, one side of it's pushed down. And, but he got that snap, and in that snap, I really, like, really looked like him. So, yeah, it's a very impressive shot. Yeah, it could have been taken at the time. Allowing for the quality of the photo, that it could have been taken at the time. Yeah, and uh, well, also I'm wearing the um, the more blacks, more dogs, more Irish t-shirt, yeah. which is a very modern, <laughs> uh, created by a, a couple, um, came out a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, so this photo, he shared it with the online article, and that it's it's still doing the rounds. That that photo has gone like viral amongst thin lizzy fans all over the world sharing that
0: it That must be quite um
1: startling do you feel any like pressure on that I don't it's it's weird because it's 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 really nice yeah. but but it, it's it's odd because everybody's sharing it thinking it's somebody else Yeah so it's I love it because I'm like okay this is great and it's great and I'm to the best of my ability turning it into into publicity because yes. it's <laughs> the best free publicity um, but what was great was so that that, that started getting shared and then on, I think it was in September um, a journalist from the Irish Suns shared it on his Twitter account yeah. uh, I think this was the first instance of me seeing it being shared by people yeah. uh, incorrectly thinking it was him but he shared it on Twitter it got like got like thousands of likes over a thousand retweets mm-hmm. and someone someone else kind of corrected him and then he got in touch with me got in touch with me, emailed me on a Tuesday, I did a telephone interview with him on a Wednesday, and then I was in the Irish Sun on the Thursday, like in the in the in the print as well. Yes, I had yeah. like a full a full page, I think page thirteen or something. The whole story covered and it, and it's online and that and that was brilliant. Yeah. Um but it's still it's still getting shared like on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It was it was anniversary of his death last week yeah. on the fourth. Um so again loads of fans kind of share this picture yeah. but yeah it's it's I I kind of just sit there at my computer and I just say hey just so you know it's me it's yeah. my play keep an eye on it and and, and in case
0: uh, any of our listeners aren't actually that implicitly aware of Phil and Finn Lizzie but it's the Irish son is quite a because you know he, he's a modern Irish folk hero yeah, you know, yeah, yeah and so there's a bit of Irish ownership
1: on him and the iconography so that's that's quite big and huge yeah yeah it's, um, it's massive i mean it's it's yeah he's an irish hero there's a statue of him in dublin yeah um it's the 50th anniversary of thin this year so they just they um they released a fill line at 15 euro coin which sold out instantly you don't to have one there. no no, no I, c- I couldn't get a look in no. um they've also released a fill line at stamps as well throughout this year which i still need to make sure i get a set of those um, so the obvious question on the main
0: is is the tour set up to go via Dublin, etc.? Um,
1: it's I, I'm currently working on that. Yeah. Um, it's I don't have I don't have anything set. It's it's because because 'cause I've never, 'cause I've never done this before. No. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm kind of learning as I go, but yeah, I, I'm I'm basically trying to, to build a tour. Uh, a full kind of Irish tour yeah. and also UK tour but with Ireland I don't even live there so I literally like Googled and found that there's like tour they have like tour networks there and,
0: and like arts
1: club uh, not clubs but um, arts spaces that you could sort of go gig to gig yeah yeah, yeah. so um, but because I'm not there and I don't know them I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to reach out to people that could help me yeah. with it uh, what, one uh, there's an arts festival actually that did reach out to me um, last year and they're interested in taking it which is great, um, and that's at the that would be at the beginning of June. Yeah. But I, what I'm trying to do, and they actually hope they might be able to help me as well. Just trying to find a booking agent over yeah. there because I can't just go to Ireland just to do it once at something no, because that's no. not um, not financially feasible. Well, it's,
0: it's exactly that. it's about financing the travel, financing exactly, the, yeah. your um, accommodation, presumably. Mm financing either whoever you're going to bring with you to sort of do the LX and stuff, or yeah. whoever you're going to hire at each venue. To yeah, do of there. course. Yeah. 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 Um, and you, you say this is like a fairly new thing for you. What What's thus far? And I, I guess I'm asking this mainly for anybody who's listening, who's also thinking about touring, etc. But for you, what What are the challenges of trying to work that out? Is it just literally going into the, the that vibe and going? I have no idea. I don't even know what the problems are yet. Mm. Or is it just literally find the right people to talk to or how to get those communications started? Um,
1: it's, it's a combination of yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just letting people know that I've, I've got this show and I've got it filmed and can kind of send them the, the basics of a tour package. I mean, it's, yeah. a very, it's, it's, it's a very simple show. It needs a lighting rig yeah. and the set is just a chair yes so it's it's. I was very keen to make it very transferable very show. easy to tour yeah. and if, if, if necessary you know I could just do it in the corner of a pub yes um, but but yeah so it's it's just kind of letting people know that I've got it this is what it is and and please help <laughs> and, and you were available for gigs throughout well not just
0: 2020 but um, beyond as well yes Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I mean my my, my kind of My my loose plan for this year is I want to tour it in the UK and Ireland, um, and then I want to kind of go more global with it. Yeah. yeah, So my plan is to kind of look at look at old Thin Lizzy tours, basically old Thin Lizzy world tours, and look at everywhere they went, especially places they went to more than once. Yeah. Look at those cities, see what theatres are there, and see if I can kind of (laughs) just kind of mimic a Thin Lizzy world tour, basically. When you were doing the research did you, apart
0: from, you know, physically looking like him, did you find any other parallels between you and him that you go, oh,
1: that's, that, that is me? Um, yeah, I, I, w- I mean, I wouldn't say that is me, but like de- there are definitely parallels. Yeah. Uh, we're both mixed-race mixed men who grew up in predominantly white areas yeah. with single mums um, and, and faced our kind of, and faced challenges specifically because of that. Yeah. Um, and that's what was really enjoyable about about it. And, and again, what, what's nice about you know, I was talking earlier about like not wanting to kind of tell my own life story. So what what's been really kind of nice and cathartic about this is telling a story that is somebody else's story. Yeah. But there are there are real strong parallels and things that I can relate to. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. Um, but a bit, but yeah. But I still I still recognise the differences, like in terms of race. It was much harder for him than it was for me like like you know i i had (laughs) i went through went through my own issues with it but like you read about the stuff that he got yeah like he was i think when he first moved there when he was seven based on the research that was he was roughly one of um one of three black people living in dublin um i think it was only the only black child it's not the best race here no (laughs) but then but then the same that that's what's interesting um that's what you kind of explore in the play is the fact that he he's kind of th- thrown into this environment when he was seven years old, where his mum kind of left him with, with her grandparents. And sorry, with, with his grandparents, yeah. <laughs> her parents. Um, and, and all the attention that he got he, he, he got he got all that attention without doing anything. Like one yeah. of the one of the, like, one of the lines that I sort of say from the play, which isn't this one isn't a direct quote, but it's based on yeah. other people saying, it's but perfectly true. Is um, from my the interesting thing about the interesting thing about being the only black kid in a white school is that to me I'm just the same as everyone else, but to everyone else I'm something exotic. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's kind of a really important part of the play and and, 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 and in his in his life and yeah. his development. Happened in his formative years, he he got attention. He'd get attention without even trying, and then that automatically gave him kind of confidence in the well, and the self assuredness.
0: Yeah, to take the positive spin on that, that that makes him a frontman. That that, yeah. that, that 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 there's a almost a barry esque sort of vibe about that of going. But well, I'm gonna. You've given me that,
1: so I'm gonna take that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he took that and ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: in terms of taking things and running on with it, um, after. This uh, show, whenever the after happens, mm. do you have any formulations for
1: ideas of what's next? Uh, yeah. So w- w- with this show, when I originally got the idea for the show, and in the early stages of me researching it, it was going to be a show about his entire life. Yeah. Um, it was a couple of years ago when I kind of done the bulk of the, well, I got over halfway with the research, and and I you know, I'd built my own like timeline like using like on, an online tool just built my own kind of timeline of his entire yeah. life and you look at it all the events and you go and you want to, to take it to the Edinburgh Fringe so you've got an hour max yeah we actually had 50 minutes <laughs> this what I ended up getting so to try and tell uh, 36 years of someone's life in an interesting meaningful way in, in an hour isn't Really, e- even the Bible couldn't do that. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so this play, is, it's about his life. Well, it starts with him talking about his mum, but it's his birth, and it's, it's his whole life up to when he's 20 years old. Yeah. And that's when the play stops. He's still got, I've still got, like, another 16 years of his yeah. life. So, so, yeah, it's... it's um, once I get this play up and running... Um, as in, get the tour, kind of up yeah. and running. I, I start work on the next part. Sequel. Yeah, and, and band two.
0: You've got a second band after Thin Lizzy, whose name I've now forgotten. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, Grand Slam.
0: Yeah, that 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 that
1: was like very very small and didn't last long. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it might, but it, it, it could it might be one play. It could even be it could even be two. I'm not yeah. sure yet. Yeah. Um, it, it's again, it's just about looking at looking at all the events and finding. Yeah. Finding like an interesting narrative, and if that can be if I can do that with the last 16 years of his life, great. If not, then it might be I don't know, (laughs) it could could be anywhere.
0: Which means then, if you are looking at a sequel and indeed a trilogy, uh, we we can't deny it anymore. You you are a writer, this is this is this is a thing that happens, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, is your approach now? before I guess you, you were probably finding your way you, you were learning by doing and you were sort of like putting the research together and filling up notebooks and then finding out you had to fill them up etc <laughs> is it when you when you do go into writing play two and play three will the approach actually any different or will it actually did that actually work for you and you were still going cheerfully blindly um,
1: I'm not sure it, it's going to be it's going to be different because I'm, I've already kind of I've already done the research for, yeah. for all of it. Yeah. Um, I will definitely have to... I will definitely be rereading a lot of stuff to, for it to be fresh and and, and all the rest of it. Um, I think I'm definitely going to... Yeah, when I start, I'm going to start and it's going to be knuckle down and yeah. get it done. It's not going to be... I mean, everything pre-me making my initial knuckle down decision was just... It. it that's just how i did it because i was just finding my way but that's not how i see myself working in the future yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not very time efficient to take five years to create, <laughs> to create one show but um but that yeah that, that was my process yeah i'll learn and grow and and it'll be quicker but i'm probably gonna um i will probably co-write um the next one um or at least, as or, or, or at least, kind of um, there'll be kind of extra outside research that they need yeah. to do because he, because he was a drug addict and he got into you know he was a heroin addict towards the in the later stage of his life and this is also part of the convenience of me just focusing on the early part of his life is dealing with all this stuff that I can relate to and understand so. Yeah. I didn't really need to... Aside from, like, doing research about him as an individual and reading and speaking to people, um, thematic... I didn't have to do any, any extra thematic research. No. I'm, I'm not an addict. <laughs> I'm not an addict. And so I'm aware that to to try and tell that kind of story, um, it's, it's, not something, it's not something that I would just do without, at, at the very least, doing extensive research yeah. on, because it's the it's a very sensitive it's a very sensitive subject and it's one that you know when you when you're talking about that stuff you want to make sure that you're accurate and honest and and compassionate yeah um so yeah i'm kind of will so that that will be part of the approach kind of moving forward it'll be like definitely work like bringing at least at least one other person kind of in on it to make sure that it's it's appropriate yeah
0: when you are doing your extensive research or you're scribbling notepads and whatever or you're avoiding doing your extensive research so there might be um, one of the questions we tend to ask our guests is uh, if you're in, hanging out in Brighton you're in a coffee shop or a bar or whatever uh, what f- what feels like home that isn't home? Uh, where are you able to sort of like yeah, jot down ideas or have a chill with a book to think about? Is there anywhere in
1: Brighton that you want to give a shout out to? Uh, yes, Pelicano's Pelicano's Coffee Shop on wait is it it's in the North Lanes, Sydney Street, somewhere in the North Lanes. Somewhere in the North Lanes, I always get my streets mixed up. But yeah, it's Sydney, Sydney Street, the one off Trafalgar Street. I'm gonna say yes, cool. Well, yeah. Pelle, Pelicano's coffee shop, um, they're like a fantastic team of staff and they make amazing coffee. And that's just where that's my especially like working on this play. That has been, if I'm not at home writing, yeah, that's where, I, that's where I've been. Yeah, that's been like my my place to go where it's nice and relaxed and lovely and I can just get loads of work done yeah yeah. so yeah
0: and when you're reading something that isn't about you know if you're reading or watching or listening to something is there anything at the moment that you're reading watching or listening to at the moment that you want to go oh that's occupying your time quite pleasantly you'd want to give a shout out to um,
1: I've just started reading uh, "Being So Long by Che Walker but I really only started that the other day and it was okay. at work so I only got about Ten pages in, yeah. but so far very enjoyable. Um, watching, I well, I only watched it once because it's a film. But I went to watch Little Women, yeah. and it is fantastic. Yeah. It is fantastic. Go and watch it. It's a, just a just a fucking I'm sorry. It's just a brilliant film. <laughs>
0: I do like the idea of Little <laughs> Women being reviewed as... It's just fucking
1: brilliant. <laughs> it really is. It's so good. Um, I, a film that just... God, the themes that it covers and the characters and the acting and the design and just... oh It's just, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Excellent. And my final question then for this trio of questions is... Uh, you may well have had an idea for a thing, like a story or, or a concept or an invention uh, that you thought when you were younger that's a brilliant idea and you just happen not to do anything about it because people don't tend to do things with their ideas for great inventions, and then actually somebody else did do something with it and beat you to the punch. Do you have such a thing?
1: I do, <laughs> yes. Um, so one of the things I did... One of the things that I did to um, help learn lines as an actor... Well, it came from... So I do voiceovers, yeah. um, and then I kind of... I, I, got, like, I sort, of, uh, sort of built my own kind of ramshackle mini home studio to kind of record, and then I realised, oh, I've got this nice microphone. Why don't I, when I've got to play, record the whole script, like just read the script, and then I can edit out my lines and then play it back to myself and, and, learn, and use that to, to learn lines. Yeah. So that's kind of... That's what I do when I have... Um, yeah, when I have a play, yeah, with other people, I couldn't do that with my play. It would just be listening to yeah, silence for yeah. an hour. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of started doing that a few years ago, and, I, and then I just went, oh, this would make a fantastic app. Mm. There's got to be a way, and I was like, brilliant. I'm gonna, t-. and then there's, there was there were three. Yes, uh, three yeah. already. So yeah. Line learner and stuff. I was like, ah. Um, but the, the idea was sound. The idea. Yeah. Was the strong. idea hit me. I was like, this is brilliant. You know, it's not necessarily going to make me loads of money, but it'll be like fantastic for for the acting world. Yeah. And, and ah, yeah, so you you want to give something back? Yeah, yeah. The acting mod,
0: you you're, you've acted, you've directed, you've done voiceovers. Are you going to direct anytime soon?
1: Um, n- not anytime soon. I've I've never directed. I've I've um, acted like voiceovers, written and produced. Yeah. Um, directing is definitely something that interests me. Mm. Um, because I imagine just even that idea
0: about uh, learning lines and the idea for learning lines, and I just had this image of you helping somebody go through lines and it occurs to me my instincts are that you'd be a strong director so it'd be interesting to see whatever you just direct Mm. Um, what what do you think you'd what sort of thing would you want to direct
1: I don't I I, I honestly don't know part the so directing it's always been like oh yeah I'd like like to give that a go at some point in the future then I I was helping a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago with a self tape yeah he asked me to come around just to help him to read lines. Um, but then I, I directed him as well. like, not, not an awful lot, but like, I could see what he was doing and I was like, just gave him- um, Guidance. Yeah, just gave him some guidance and it, and it was great and it worked and he loved it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, and I was like, oh my God. That was like my first kind of like, could, little taste of like, of doing it. And yeah. it was, yeah, just like kind of yeah. firing things off. So it's, it's, it's definitely something that I'm really keen to do it's just at the moment i'm kind of like neck deep <laughs> neck deep in my own why wow, what's going on you you you're busy yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah. Um, but yeah i think once i once i've kind of once i'm done with the the uh, the fill line at work yeah um yeah directing is definitely something that i I'll, I'll look into in the not too distant future so you've got
0: another uh, another bullet point on your cv yeah. yeah. Well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, Miles. Uh, best of luck for the tour. That, so, we'll, we'll find details of that online throughout the year. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll be looking and listening with great interest uh, what comes up next year. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. Produced by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chatstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our website is castironbrighton.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So basically, yes, it's um, short fiction. Start again, I was sighing over you. Get that a lot. (laughs) Oh,
1: God.